I would say it's, it's important because you, everyone wants support and you, you want somebody on your side to understand you or, and, and, and roll with you when it comes to situations that um, you feel isolated, you know? of Dear Men. This is a guy talk on the same subject as last week. I'm really excited to be doing this and I am happy to have you guys on. So thank you for being here, Ahmad, Grays, and Jules. Welcome to Dear Men. Thanks, thanks for having hey, us. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. Awesome. So, um, so today, so similar to last week, today we're going to be talking about race and dating and sex and relationships and everything. And um, same as last week, I just want to name explicitly that I am a white woman myself and I'm doing anti-racism work on myself. And so if I say something problematic or something happens, I want to know about it. I'm open to feedback, both from you three, as well as anyone listening. So if there's anything that needs to be adjusted, just email me at dearmanpodcast at gmail.com and I would love to hear, hear from you. Um, so yeah, so we'll start like normal. We'll just go around, say your name, your rough age, relationship status, zero to 10, because it's not binary. <laughs> and, um, and one show that you've really been loving lately that you've been maybe binging or, you know, those shows where you tell everyone about them because you think they're so good something like that. Anyone can start. Well, I'll start. Um, my name is Grace, uh, 27 years old. Uh, I would say my relationship status is like a one or a two right now. Um, been pretty uh, to myself. So uh, trying to analyze and or prep myself as a man before I get into the relationship that I you know, want to get into. And um, I would say my last show that I binged on was uh, Snowfall. Um, been wanting to see that for a while now. A bunch of my friends recommended it to me. So that's something that I uh, dove into. Nice. I recommend everybody to watch that too. Yeah, I haven't heard of that one yet. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, uh, my name is Ahmad, and I am in my late thirties, kind of in that range. Uh, relationship status? I mean, I don't know. It's kind of I'm single. I don't really know how to rate that. Uh, not in a relationship currently. Uh, so I guess maybe a two because a one would mean that you're single and you're not looking and you're cool. Um, I'm single, I'm cool, but I am kind of looking, but, you know, with, uh, um, the lockdown and, and everything that we're going through right now, you know, it's definitely making relationships a little bit, a little bit different of a, of a beast to handle. For sure. Uh, so, um, the latest show that I've watched was actually on Hulu, a show called Dead to Me. I think I watched both seasons in like two days, two or three days. It's it's really good. It's kind of like one of those um, guilty pleasure type shows. But I have to also add Narcos first season on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, you are um, you're missing out. Just put it that way. I thought you were going to say you were in it. 
Oh, I wish. Oh, that's who I wish. But no, well, it's just... an actor. Go ahead. So one more time. I was just saying, because you're an actor, I was like, oh, that's exciting. Now I have to yeah. watch two reasons. But Yeah. No, it, no, it's, it's, no, I'm not in it, but it's, it's really good. It's a uh, Pablo Escobar story and, you know, how he got caught and just, uh, just good acting. It's really good story. I actually, I've been interested in that show, but I'm worried it's going to stress me out <laughs> because it's. Oh, so really? <laughs> yeah. Check it out. Yeah. Check it out. Oh, thank you. Uh, and I'm Jules. I am in my late thirties, uh, dangerously close to 40. Um, my relationship status, uh, I really need to echo what Ahmad said. I'm, I'm, I'm a two and pretty much for all of the same reasons that he stated. Um, and then in terms of shows, uh, that I'm watching, um, the one I, I really, really recommend is catching up on Better Call Saul. Um, and they finished their most recent season a couple of weeks ago but the show is so good um just the character development and twists and turns are just phenomenal so um it's a great time to catch up if you haven't seen it already and then um my moment of of full transparency and honesty is since that's ended i've started rewatching girls because um an old roommate and i plan to do that separately but apart and it turns out i'm the only one watching it but I'm kind of hooked. So there you go. That's great. I love that. <laughs> also, uh, I like the, uh, the relationship status too, meaning I'm single, but I'm available versus yes. I'm single and I'm working on myself. Like I'm not really available, which I think you spoke to a little bit, Grace. So I liked that distinction. Um, cool. So yeah, let's, uh, let's dive in. So we're going to do a similar structure to girl talk and so the first question has to do with your own preferences, which is, do you have a preference in terms of the race of women that you have sex with, date, get into relationships with, et cetera, and or have you noticed any patterns when it comes to that? Anyone can start. Uh, I, I uh, when it comes to preference, <clears throat> um, the latest relationship that I've, I've had has been with all black women. And... Uh, interest, interestingly, it's more specifically African women, not African-American women, but women that were actually born in Africa. And I, I don't know why, but it just seems like that's that's who I end up dating, um, which, you know, is a different podcast in itself. Yeah. Uh, but uh, honestly, I don't really use the word preference when it comes to um, when somebody says, what's your preference, Ahmad? I, I don't it doesn't land to me. What really lands more is uh what am I attracted to or what draws me in? Um, Cause when it comes to women for me is, you know, obviously as a guy, you know, we're all attracted physically, you know, that's the, the, the number one thing. That's 1.2 or 1.5 is the physical attraction. It's just, you know, that's just how a man responds very strongly um, to. So when it comes to me, even before that, it's usually energy is what I, um, what attracts me you know, how a woman carries herself or, you know, how her words land on my ears or, um, what's her light, you know? So that, that, that's first for me personally. And then the physical starts getting in, then maybe the race, whatever that's down the line. But so I I don't really honestly have a preference. I've seen what I've dated in the past to kind of, maybe it's a preference, but it's just what I 
I, uh, what I know attracts me is really what is the driving factor. And that's yeah, I like that. not really, you know, race. Yeah. I love that. Um, what's her light that jumped out at me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and some have it, you know, to me, you know, some, some have it more than others. It's just, it's just an aura. It's just a glow. It's just maybe the way she owns herself, you know, that you can, you can subconsciously pick up. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. And this is Jules. Um, I guess my pattern is that generally um, I date mostly white women and I've tried to think about why that might be um, and not to, to sort of hop on the psychoanalyst couch here, but you know, I think, I think a large part of it is kind of a product of where I grew up. And um, so I grew up on the East coast and it was largely um, a predominantly white town. And so those were the people who are around and that was just kind of my experience growing up. And I also imagine that part of it is um, just sort of mass media and um, sort of the messaging that you are um, sort of given growing up and, and just generally in what's out there, movies, TV, et cetera. Um, so that, that I imagine was part of it. And then I guess if I'm, if I'm making a joke about it, um, I often say maybe it's edible because uh, I'm actually biracial. And so my mom is um, white and from France. And so I don't know if uh, on some subconscious level that that might be part of it as well. But um, I think probably the, the first two are the larger reason why. Yeah, thanks for speaking to that. Um, I wanted to mention that briefly because uh, after the Girl Talk episode, we we stayed on the phone for like half an hour and had a whole other discussion that I kind of wished we'd recorded. But one of the things we talked about was, you know, crushes, adolescence, you know, growing up, you know, who are the first people you have crushes on? For a lot of people, it's people that are in movies. And I think that because of the upper, uh, the far over representation of white people in pop culture many times in, in movies and everything. I think that maybe like colors the whole, the whole subject in terms of, you know, when we come of age and things like that. And so I just want to drop that into this discussion because it feels relevant. And I wish that it had gone in the last one to your point, Jules, about who you kind of saw on like TV and movies and everything when you were growing up. I will say, um, this is Grace here. Um, for me, um, I don't have a specific preference, but um, just because of my my background and and how I came up and how I see life, like um, I would look for a black woman. That's just all honesty, Um, just due to relatability and um, with the struggles that I came up with um, and and being vulnerable and honest with someone that can, um, I will say, relate you know and 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 someone i can speak to who gets in depth of the feelings that i feel um that's what you know i I would look for a black woman mainly and um but a preference i don't have like a preference though um i will say i hope that kind of like answered that totally what i hear in that is yeah someone that you can relate to on a deep level and maybe that gets it and gets things that you don't have to explain everything that there's a level of 
of relationship that's possible that's maybe not possible in other ways. Yeah. Awesome. Um, did either of you guys, other guys have anything to add about that point? Well, I, I can maybe add something about what Grace said about, um, you know, seeing a black woman. Because in, in my experience, you know, uh, and also with, with Jules, I, I grew up around, well, from first grade until well, literally college, uh, I was all in private schools. So, and, and the majority of people who afforded private or could, could afford private schools were white people. So my first crushes were white were white girls. And, and uh, you know, I, I was surrounded by just white girls all the time, the majority. So that's, the, that's my first crushes and that's my history. So it's just interesting that now in my later life, I find myself uh, with black women. And then what Grace was saying about, you know, it's just that commonality um, for me it's it's like that 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 black skin that you know it's just it's it's something comforting about basically honestly she has the same skin color as i do you know it's the same skin color that i saw when i was a child when i was born um it's just that certain comfort level that you get emotionally with a black woman that you really i'd say you can't get with another race but it's just i don't know some reason it just seems easier you know uh just feel a little more natural so for sure. That's one thing I, I, that came, stood out to me uh, is that that's uh, something that I found in myself was true. Yeah. And I'm curious because you, you mentioned dating um, African women or women from Africa. I'm curious, like, have you uh, had open conversations about racism or their experience of race or racism in Africa versus the U.S.? Like, I imagine that their experience was different. I mean, could you say a little more like about that if you did have those conversations? Yeah, I didn't particularly have conversations about, you know, whether they had racism. Uh, well, one of, the, one of my exes was from South Africa. So she we might have had some conversations about, you know, apartheid in South Africa. I don't know the specifics of it. But one conversation I do remember having um, was around when Black Panther was out, uh, came out and the whole um the you know the story of black panther was really the 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 hero and then the nemesis the were representing african americans and the hero who was black panther was representing wakanda and how africans left african americans in slavery they didn't come back to save us basically you know wakanda had all this power and they could have came to america and and saved the slaves but they forgot about us it's kind of the, the undertones of black panther movie so we talked about that and she's from Africa and, and how that, that, uh, how Africans see African-Americans and some are jealous of African-Americans and, and some love African-Americans and want to be like us. So it's almost like a mixed bag of, of, um, of, of likes and dislikes, but that's one conversation we had that I remember, you know, when it came to race. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's fascinating. I find that really interesting. One of my closest women friends is married to a a man from Ghana and they live in Ghana. So we have a lot of conversations about the differences between Mm -hmm. her experience and his experience there versus here. And I just find it so really interesting. Um, Cool. Well, my next uh, question is, um, 
you can, you can answer for yourself or if there's an experience of a friend that you have that's relevant, which is, do you have a memorable negative experience, if any, related to race when it comes to sex or dating or relationships? And if you don't, that's fine too. Anyone can start. I know I do for sure. Um, honest. Um, um, I was dating this girl, um, and at the time, um, we had a conversation. I was on the phone with her, and she told me um, she left a hip hop club, and it was her and her friend. And um, it was a uh, predominantly black, you know, black guys in there. So they were trying to. Um, she was uh, Latin. She was Latin actually, and um, they were trying to get at her. And um, she was going back and forth with her friend, like, "Hey, the guy's cute," or whatever. Like, um, maybe she's giving her number. And the thing that came out of her mouth was, I already got my black guy. I'm good. And um, when she said that, and she told me this over the phone, like, I guess, and I'm not judging her. You know, she was doing it in a sense where it wasn't negative, where she felt like um, she's owning me or anything like that. But I felt like that. And I was like, what you mean you already have your black guy? Like, like, dang, I thought we were just, you know, two individuals, you know, getting to know each other and, and um as human beings. So that kind of like, it, it, it started like a domino effect of, um, of just the reality of when you're dealing with interracial relationships, you know? Yeah. Thank you for speaking to that. Cause I think that's like, can you say a little bit more about your reaction to it? Cause I think that's a good example of maybe an unconscious comment that the person didn't mean to cause harm, but they did cause harm. Yeah. Um, my reaction to it, because I knew her, um, I knew she wasn't being racist or anything like that. She was being in a sense of, or at least I was perceived uh, by it of like, I uh, already got my dude or I already got my guy. You know what I mean? Like as a, you know, a woman, um, like a man will claim a woman, a woman will claim a man. You know, that's how I looked at it. But mm-hmm. the underline behind it, I looked at it was like, but what if I didn't know you and you just told me that just out of the blue? And you just said, I already got my black guy. It's like, dang, I look like a, I feel like a piece of meat. You know what I'm saying? I feel like a, a somebody that you can just toss out or just, I don't feel like you valued me. I feel like you valued um, what I represented. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. which is not a bad thing as well, but it's like, <laughs> you're in a relationship with me. You know what I mean? So um, I would just say uh, that was negative because it made me cautious, you know, uh, on moving forward were like dating outside Maurice because I never had that experience and you know until then until before then um if I can add for the previous question we had like um I dated all outside of my race like I didn't um I thought um I didn't start dating black women until I was like 24 you know so I dated all outside my race um beforehand because I thought you know black women didn't find me attractive and I grew up in so many different areas where it's Latins uh uh, I was around white people. I was around black people. I was around Asians, and 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 it um it just struck a nerve with me where it was just like, dang, this is really reality, you know, of uh, how people can perceive you. Yeah, I what I hear in that is kind of like there it damaged your trust, and it, and it feels like it damaged it more than just with that one one person. Yeah. Yeah. Does that fit at all? Yeah, I, I agree completely because it, yeah. it, it just um, it just made my antennas go up a little bit more, if I could say. 
And it also sounds like you didn't really feel met by her in the, in the conversation. It wasn't like, she wasn't like, oh my God, I'm sorry. You're right. I don't know why I said it like that. I, I can see that that's a problem and I apologize. It, it sounds like maybe that's not how the conversation went. Yeah. The, the, the conversation is just, you know, I was asking her how, you know, how was your day and all that. And she was like, it was cool. And what did you do to, you know, the past weekend? And then, you know, she said what she said. So as soon as she said that though, I kind of like, I just was like, Hey, I got to go do something. And I just hung up the phone. Oh <laughs> got it. So you should address it with her. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel, um, I didn't feel the need to. Yeah. To be honest, you know what I mean? Got it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that share. I actually have two, if that's allowed. Um, Go ahead. So uh, the first was with a white woman um, and it was back in 2016. So it was um, during the last election and sort of the buildup to that. And it became clear that she was, she was a Trump supporter and uh, that felt to me kind of like it should have been just a deal breaker out of the gate, but I was trying to be a little more open-minded and give her the benefit of the doubt and try and feel things out um, in terms of where her opinions were coming from and why she felt certain ways, et cetera, et cetera. And um, at some point she'd made, I mean, her comments were mostly about immigration, but it it felt like they were coming from not the best place, right? So I I sort of called her on it in terms of, well, hey, that I mean that sounds kind of racist, or without it being an accusation, but just um, a way to start a conversation. And her response was, "Well, I'm dating you, so how could I be racist?" And I I was kind of taken aback, right? It felt like the uh, steroid version of I have a black friend, right? And it was just, um, it was was just kind of bizarre. And um, I don't actually recall what I said at that point. I think I I told her that that wasn't necessarily like her get out of jail free card, right? And um, things sort of devolved from there. but it, but it was it was like an interesting place to be in and and kind of like what Grace was saying I felt um sort of used right in that moment like uh I don't know about a piece of meat but more like um it, I I existed to sort of give her some comfort about her opinions and the way she was living her life and and it just didn't feel great so yeah like because I'm dating you I'm absolved of any racist behavior or anything exactly and it's and and it and part of you starts to question is that the reason why you're dating me right or or is is there something about me that you're interested in or is that what you're looking for right and so it's kind of hard to um parse through that and and i wasn't sure that i was interested in parsing through that to be honest and so um it ended shortly there thereafter. Yeah. And similar to Gray's, it sounds like you, you, she might not have been available for that conversation and that doesn't feel very safe. It's not like, again, like, um, I really like what you said about this isn't your get out of jail free card. I think that's something that, um, I've 
been reflecting on because my, my sister is black and I, it doesn't absolve me of, because I grew up in this culture that, that it, where white supremacy is kind of like embedded in everything. It's like the water I drank. It's the air I breathed. It's the schools I went to. It's the education I got. It's the movies I watched. It's like all of that stuff. Like I still need to go in and excavate that stuff and get it out and expose it and become more conscious regardless of whether my sister, like regardless of separate from my sister. Just me having a close relationship with someone who's black does not absolve me of the unconscious racism that I was like, like eat, eat, eat it, ate and drank and breathed, you know, like kind of everywhereness. So I'm glad you spoke to that because that's such a poignant and I think common thing that, that white people do believe is like, oh, well I have a, you know, I have a black friend or I've dated black guys or I've dated black women and therefore I can't be racist. Like, no, I don't think that's how it works. Like we all grew up in this culture. We all, we all drank the Kool-Aid. So we got to undrink the Kool-Aid. It's not about, you know, just who your friends are or who you've dated. Right. There's, there's plenty of room for self-examination, right? Exactly. Um, And maybe for her, there wasn't. And you were like, yeah, not so much with you. Right. Right. And then I also wanted to point out what you said about like, do you see me? Like, do you see my humanity? Are you, are you with me because you like me or because of the color of my skin? I heard that in your share. Yep. Yep. And, 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 uh, I guess part of it might've been a fetish for her or something, right. Or, um, a box to check or something like that. And, uh, I don't know the answer. Um, but, hearing that raised a lot of those questions for me so absolutely yeah and then the 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 other example i'll make this one quick was um kind of the the flip side of the coin where i once went on this date with this black woman and shortly into the date um she took on kind of this condescending tone and I remember a clear as day, she, she said, Oh, I need to ask you a question. And I said, Oh yeah, sure. You know, first date questions and you're trying to get to know each other. And, and she, she's like, what kind of women do you generally date? Do they, they look more like, and then she pointed to the, you know, top part of her hand or more like, and then she flipped it over and pointed to the palm of her hand. Um, and I sort of knew where she was going with it. And so I was like, well, I mean, in the universe we're playing in, uh, it's the palm of your hand, I guess. And, and she was like, oh yeah, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really interested in people who, who generally are looking for that. Right. I'm sort of like this proud black woman. And, um, it, it was just, it was like very strange because like, obviously I'd seen her pictures and knew what she looked like when I agreed to go on the date right so it wasn't like a surprise so i didn't really quite understand where that was coming from and then it sort of came through um during the rest of the conversation because it's like well we're here we're hanging out like might as well enjoy the evening and so we did that and it seemed like she had just gotten out of a like long-term relationship where the guy she was dating was interested in um non-monogamy and she wasn't and i guess her plan was to try and convert him into wanting to be monogamous with her and 
over years of the relationship, it seemed that that didn't actually happen. And so it felt to me like she was being a bit um, guarded, right, in in our date because she she was worried about having to try and change me, which I guess was something that was hurtful for her in that past relationship. And so maybe it was more about her than it was about me in that in that moment. Um, but it still left kind of a, a a residual feeling that it it I think lingers for me even to this day in terms of um, the women I approach or date or whatever. Oh, interesting. Like, would that maybe like would that happen again? Or I'm not so sure about. Like, do you think that that's maybe affected you dating black women? Yeah, I think. Um, I think. Um, well, being like biracial and growing up largely in, um, you know, predominantly white neighborhoods and things. Um, I feel like, um, many black women would, would, would maybe say I'm not black enough. Um, and so there wouldn't be like that type of attraction. And so it's sort of a lingering concern that I have. And then it sort of manifested in this, in one of the few times that I actually like tried to push through it and push my boundaries. And the um, the feedback that I was maybe most afraid of is exactly what I received. And so it's sort of like reinforced perhaps that notion in my head that, oh yeah, like maybe you aren't black enough for black women and, and, and stay in the lane that I'm currently in. So I, mm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, uh, I feel a little sad hearing that. And, uh, in some way it feels similar. It agrees. It feels similar to your share of like that, like not even being like, yeah, I don't really want to have a conversation with this person about that, but it had an, an effect. It had a lingering effect on your sort of, um, almost like how safe you feel dating, you know, inside or outside of, of, of race. Like there's, there are all these effects that, that come up for us when we're in these, in these processes and in different relationships. And they do have a lingering effect, like you said. Yep, definitely. Anyone else have a comment about that or? Well, I wanted to share something real quick about uh, negative. And I don't think I had something I would say as negative as more illuminating where I explain that my uh, background is, you know, I was raised around a lot of white people, you know, Mexican as well in school. Not a lot of black people um, were in my circle of influence growing up in my adolescent years. So, you know, and then I, I come from a black family, Southern black family at that. So I, I had a mix of, of everything. So I was comfortable pretty much everywhere. I didn't really you know, race wasn't something that was so illuminating to me. And that's probably why I, I, I look at women, look at women the way I do now, you know, where race is an issue, but it's not, you know, not that big of a deal. But um, I, I was dating one ex that I was dating, um, illuminated me something, illuminated me to something that I've never experienced before was she was very uncomfortable being around a lot of white people. Um, and I remember one instance where we were going in the summertime, we we're going to a public pool on, uh, 
Santa Monica and majority of the people there were white and, you know, I'm chocolate and she's chocolate. So there's no, you know, there's no mixing. It's, it's, it's completely, you know, unmistakable. And she was very uncomfortable. And I remember us having a conversation in the car about that simple fact, you know, she feels very uncomfortable around white women, just the contrast, you know, when there's very few, I mean, you, you know, if there's only a bunch of white people and you see a black family, I mean, it's not pretty hard to find them or to point them out, you know? So that was the first time where I had to kind of deal with that. And I was like, well, okay. Like, okay. Um, in a relationship, you know, first time, because uh, I'm, I'm fine around white people. I've, in many places I've been, I'm the only black person there. And that's been my story for as long as I can remember. You know, I went to Africa actually on a, uh, when I was a teenager, uh, spent two and a half months in Kenya and Tanzania. And my whole team was white except me. And the Africans thought I was teaching them English or, or teaching them Swahili or uh, one of their guides. So they'd walk up to me, talking to me in Swahili. And uh, can you know tell them, hey, I'm I'm from America, bro. <laughs> I speak English. Uh, so experiencing that, I wouldn't say is a negative thing, but like I said, it's more illuminating. Where there are people, you know, there are some people that are very conscious of of the difference in uh, circles, and and uh, you know that might affect who they date and who they don't date. But it was just interesting to experience that from a different side of the side of the aisle. Yeah, thanks for thanks for bringing that up. I don't know if you guys saw the movie Get Out, but oh, yeah. I watched it, yeah, I watched it recently, and I I thought it was a pretty compelling portrait of um like the experience of going into a a white world almost. Like I felt like there was a there was a way that it portrayed, especially the party scene and just all the comments, all those mm-hmm. um like socially acceptable racist comments right. is how I phrase it like you can say it it's racist as fuck but <laughs> it's still like people think they're giving a compliment or, or or something and it was just to me I was like wow this scene is really just laying out all of these different yeah. comments that are you know yeah anyway that really struck me of like wow this is such a um just a poignant like description or like visual portrayal of like an experience that I had personally not been let into. And so that was new for me to see and really kind of feel, feel that. Gotcha. Um, and I just want to say thank you for, it sounds like you really held space for her in, in her sharing her experience about that. And I just want to say thanks <laughs> as the feminist. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know. um, any other guys want to comment on that part? I wanted to comment on, um, I think, uh, Jules and maybe Grace, you might have the same situation, but, uh, I know Jules, you said it was, it felt like it was kind of like a fetish thing in a way. And, you know, where if you're dating a white girl and, you know, and, and she may make certain comments and you don't know if, if whether she's dating you because of a fetish thing or not. And I know like, um, um, I, I've, I've not run into that. I, I've dated white women before. Uh, I had a relationship with one, but not, you know, uh, it wasn't, it, it was a little different where, you know, she, she had a, a, a son by a black guy already. So she's already dated black men. So she kind of knew already, you know, it really wasn't a fetish thing. She was, she almost grew up around black people. So it's, 
you know, I didn't have, I didn't think that that was the case. I didn't really ever think that, oh, she's just dating a black guy because she wants to be with a black guy, you know, whole Kim Kardashian, you know, mixed thing that seems to be hip in a way, you know, can be subconsciously. And it makes you sometimes wonder, you know, whether, you know, white women date black men sometimes if it's a fetish thing. Is it with the stereotypical things that black men, you know, just, you know, they say anatomy wise. Right. Uh, so, you know, in back of your mind, when you, so you, when you mentioned fetish, it just triggered some, some thoughts that I sometimes have initially when I meet a, a white woman that is maybe showing some interest in me, you know, is there, is, is there some fetish there, you know, or what's, what's, you know, what's the reason why, uh, you know, this is, what's your why, you know, because of the separation or the difference that I've, I've had, I, I not, didn't happen to me personally, but I know people who dated white women and when the relationship broke up or someone got mad or angry, the N word started flying and all kind of stuff like that. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. you know, you, you just, I'm not saying across the board that that's, that's how it could be or, you know, with percentages that way. But I just know in my back of my mind, what, I always sometimes think, what is the possibility of that? Mm. You know, um, absolutely. That happening. So, yeah. Absolutely. And to your point, too, of the, um, you know, is this a fetish thing? Like, why do you like me? It's again, what I hear in that is like, do you see me? Do you see me as a person? Are you seeing who I actually am? Or is the color of my skin bringing all these other things that aren't really. I got my black guy. Yeah, exactly. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, I feel in a related way and I don't know if it's like a fetishization, but it's also, kind of the oh i'm liberal and i and i'm cool with race and so i've checked that box right um which is a maybe a little bit different than um having a fetish but um also dehumanizes you in a way right so that's something i think about as well absolutely i'm um going through the book me and white supremacy by leila Saad, and the latest chapter that we did is on um the church of colorblindness, people were like, Oh, I don't see color. Color doesn't mean anything to me that, which, you know, white people do that. I mean, like that's a thing that white people do in an effort to, again, kind of absolve themselves most of the time of like, I don't need to do any deep exploration around this. I don't need to excavate unconscious beliefs. I don't need to do my anti-racism work because I just don't see color. But to your point, Jules, part of what Layla said like lays out is that is dehumanizing inherently. It's like, well, this is a major part of my experience. This is a major part of my experience. So if you're just going to erase it and and not make it safe to talk about, or for me to share or anything around it, it's like, that's not, that's not humanizing. That's not, not seeing color. That's just ignoring this reality of what, of the world. Um, so we're going to start to move sort of into, um, allyship. And I'm curious, um, it doesn't have to be white allyship, but just, you know, what does allyship mean to you, to you guys personally, in terms of sex and dating and relationships? Like, how is that 
framed for you guys or what's been your experience of it, if any? What's another word other than allyship? Allyship. What's another word you can can add for that? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe like having your back or something around that or... If the other two guys have an idea, I'd be open to that too. If I can add, this is Grace. Um, I would say the importance of that is just um, understand the partner that you're dealing with. Understand that the person, um, understand the person completely who you're in a relationship with, you know? Um, That's key in any relationship whether it's uh, with a companion or just friendship or just this period, because you would want to, um, I will say just, we both, we, I feel like we all want to be vulnerable. And if you allow yourself to be vulnerable to a certain extent, where if you feel like you're being judged, you're not going to, you're not going to be your true self and nobody wants to be in a relationship like that. So I will say it's, it's important because you, everyone wants support and you, you want somebody on your side to understand you or, and, 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 role with you when it comes to situations that um you feel isolated you know absolutely yeah that word isolated really jumps out at me like that hit me yeah i think uh i think a, a sense of safety is important um in a relationship um i think as a you know my whole mindset on that is as a man sometimes people forget that men need safety as well. You know, absolutely. Sometimes it feels like as a man, we have to be the ones to give space, to give space. We have to be the ones that have to be in control. We have to be the ones that are the protectors, which in, in, you know, physically and in social way our society works, that has been the case. Um, But for a relationship to work, in my in my in my eyes, uh, the woman that I'm with must know that I need a sense of safety as well. Just like Grace, you know, was talking about, no one wants to feel like they're judged, you know, because uh, you want to be your true self. And I think if you are your true self and your partner is their true self, that's a healthy relationship. When you start becoming your false self to hide certain things or not get this person mad or this or this or or judging this and whatever we all become versions of our true self and that just breeds resentment, breeds anger. And the next thing you know, you're cheating on somebody or blood is whatever, you know, and the whole thing's a mess, toxic. So when it comes to somebody having my back, I definitely want that, um, that sense of trust, but also just know that a man needs that sense of safety as well to be able to express himself, to be a man, you know, uh, and not feel like that's an intimidating thing or you have to guard yourself by that. Uh, every man has his own story. So we react based upon what we go through and what we come from. So to get to know who we are, get to know our story. And and the more you find out, you know, give us that safety. You know, that's 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 what I, I, I see when you uh, with that question. Absolutely. I was nodding along the whole time you're talking. Um, Me too. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate that, that like get to know my story. And it reminded me um, 
of your story, Grace. And I would, I would imagine the best thing, you know, if you had brought it up to her, like, Hey, this actually made me really uncomfortable. You know, the best place to come from, if I imagine being her is like curiosity, like, I'm sorry, like, tell me more about, about why I want to understand. Like, I want to know what happened um, instead of like defensiveness or like, well, I didn't mean that, you know, like starting from like, I, I tell me more about that. I, I really do want to know what happened and how, how it impacted you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, are we on you, Jules? Yeah. The, uh, the one thing I was thinking about, and I wasn't sure if, if this is the question to raise it, but it's something that has been swirling in my head. And then Ahmad said the word safety and it really brought home for me that, Oh, maybe this is the time. And, um, it's sort of difficult to bring up, but for me, it is, um, I sometimes worry about my safety in these situations and it's, it's because of, um, certain power imbalances that we don't like to talk about, but that definitely exist. And so, you know, I think of, um, that, uh, I think her name is Amy Cooper. Uh, she was she was the woman who called uh, the cops on that guy in Central Park, the bird watching guy, right? And she said, "Oh, I'm going to call the cops." And it was like very clearly like this uh, not so subtle threat to him that she was going to involve the police in something that like really didn't require the police at all. Um, and then you know, with all the Black Lives Matter stuff and how that creates um, like a real safety issue for people. And, and so, you know, sometimes I, I think about that when um, dating certain uh, white women and what they might be thinking in certain situations or, or for instance, people who maybe like things a little rougher when, um, you know, you're physically intimate and it, it makes me uncomfortable sometimes because I, I have to think really hard about whether I trust this person or not um, to really do something like that. And so it, it sort of lingers and hangs over a lot of different things. Um, even if, even if the person doesn't really mean or intend to sort of hold that over my head at some point, it's just something that I feel like I need to be thoughtful about that maybe they can afford not to be right. And so that was something that sort of came up for me. And I guess maybe allyship is just being aware of that and that it's something that other folks might need to consider. A hundred percent, because especially the, you know, in the Amy Cooper video, what she says on the phone is, you know, she's threat. She is threatening him. She's threatening him. She's saying, I'm going to call the cops and I'm going to tell them that an African-American man is threatening me. Like she weaponized it and she unconsciously, knew that that brought power dynamics into the equation with her and the police and him that she wasn't even consciously aware of, because I don't know if you guys looked at her later statement, but she said, I am not a racist. And my first instinct was like, dude, if you Mm -hmm. that come on, like, how can you have gone through that experience and not grasp the, the inherent racism in that action? But it just, I, I think it kind of points to, white fragility and the, the inability to 
to, to be okay with, I have racist programming. I obviously have racist programming and it's come up and it almost harmed this person. And I feel terrible, like rather than like trying to protect yourself at all costs from being called racist, which has you not want to engage and, and defend and deflect and do all these things instead of like, hell yeah, I have racist programming. I grew up in the US. Right. You know, we we all do, and I need to do my part to like obviously what I did was incredibly um wrong. And I have a and lot people, of people, you know. Oh, I mean to uh, no, just to add to that is is people um when it comes to racism and with Amy Cooper and so many others that you know, usually when they're caught on camera and then they 24 hours later, they post in a Twitter page talking about, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. And, you know, uh, this is not how I was raised and I'm not a racist. And you hear all that unusually at most occasions, you know, when Amy, the, the Amy Coopers of the world um, get all caught on camera. And I always think to myself, you, you don't know what racism is for, for you to say you're not racist. You might some some white people to me might look at uh, bigots or things they see on TV or the way uh, white people acted during the civil rights and before Jim Crow laws and how outward bigoted they were, you know, where they would storm the streets. And, you know, of course, un and, and unfortunately, black people were being much more um, blatantly uh, uh, hung and, 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 you know, beaten dogs, you know, being, you know, sicked on them. And, and there was, it was so much more of a blatant bigotry. Uh, than it is, I would say now, as as much as we we have, we have come, to, you know, a certain distance from that time, uh, and I think the Amy Coopers of the world will look at that and say, "Well, that's not me. I, I'm not that. I'm not a bigot. I'm not out there saying I hate black people and they should, you know, uh, uh, go to uh, use their own bathroom and, and all this other stuff. They may they may have black friends they work with, etc. But what they don't see is that racism can also be that, that, that elitism, that my white skin is much better than your dark skin. And, and it's, it's rooted in that, you know, where they see dark skin as something less than. That's what fueled her to talk to that grown man like he was a two-year-old and make up this whole thing to call the cops. So that, that's what I think when people say they're not racist, you need to look at what your definition of racism is and you will see that the way you act, the way you think is actually racism. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I'm reflecting a lot on my own education as a white person, education being from school, but also from culture. And I've realized how exactly what you said. I was like, oh, I'm not racist because I don't wear a Klan hat and go to rallies, mm -hmm. white nationalist rallies. But the more I'm educating myself, the more I'm like, absolutely, I am. Absolutely. I have this programming in me that was, again, inculcated from zero to now. Right. Like it's like it's in every, it's embedded in everything. Like you said, Ahmad of the um, yeah, like the anti-black just beliefs of like, of you know, white superiority or supremacy or all of that. And um, uh, and the and the privileged piece. Right. That you that like I deserve to call the cops and be protected, you know, versus this other person like that's it's it's unconscious uh, programming that absolutely exists in all of us. And, you know, to your point, Jules, about awareness, I think I want to be more aware. I want to, you know, get, you know, get as aware as I can and be as awake as I can so that I don't cause harm instead of trying to pretend like I'm not um, racist 
absolutely I am. Like it's, it's what I, what I was trained to be in a way in, in the U S and I've been reflecting a lot on like the education that I grew up with sort of presented racism as like, Oh, this thing that happened in the past, right. That we're, we're past it. Like there was a thing and then there was a civil rights act in the sixties and, and we're sort of done. Like that's what I realized my schooling kind of taught me. And I'm like, now I'm like, we are so not done. We're not, it never even, it never ended. There was no done. Like that was an illusion that I right. you know, had to re- reprogram. Just the mere fact though, that you have like that type of awareness though, is a, it's a good thing. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I'm still on the journey. I feel like I'm just, yeah, getting started. Um, so in terms of this, um, this question of, of emotional safety, I think that that really feels and physical safety, as you pointed to Jules. Um, I'm wondering if you, if you guys do have examples where you noticed uh, that a woman you were dating created that emotional safety. And I'm wondering if you could just speak a little bit to that, um, whether it has to do with race or not. I think that's such a, just such a beautiful element of this discussion. I wanted to, to hear your stories on it. Do you have any? Um, oh yeah, go ahead. I was thinking I have one that that that's not related to race. It was just um, when I was dating this woman um, during a period where I felt under underemployed, and so I wasn't making as much money as um, I wanted or was used to at the time, and so it, it made dating somewhat difficult in terms of the restaurants you go to or the places you go or things that you do. Right. And so it just made it kind of difficult. Um, and she was, she was sort of aware of my financial situation at the time. And, um, there were just events or dinners or things that we went to and it, it, she just had a very natural, Oh, that's my turn. And it clearly wasn't her turn, but it was, um, it was her way of making not an issue of it. And it, it, it was perfectly cool for her to um, pay for things at that, at that moment. And it felt when she was doing it, she did it in a way that was, um, I don't know the best way to say it, but, but it wasn't nonchalant, but it was clear that she, wa- she wasn't making a big deal of it. And it was, everything was like very cool. I just felt very seen and sort of comfortable in those moments. And um, yeah, so that is a a way I felt emotionally safe. I love that. Yeah. I I hear a lot of care, like cared for in a sensitive, like she was sensitive to not making it a production. Right. And it it wasn't a big deal to her, but she knew it was a big deal to me. Um, And, and she found a way to sort of handle handle both of those things with care. So that, that was really cool. Yeah. Thank you for that. You know, one thing I love about that story is, um, is for men, we have an ego, um, as much as ego and the word ego is, you know, you know, hear some people saying it's not good to have an ego. You not have too much ego. So it's always, you never know, what to do with ego sometimes, but it does exist. And at least in my opinion, as a man, how I was raised, 
a man has a certain awareness of himself as a man, meaning that a man knows that he should be in control in a certain way, you know, have his money, know where the hell he's going, you know, if he's driving or if he's a guy who drives, usually if you go on a vacation. So men certainly have a certain self-awareness of certain things. So with, you know, the jewel story, and it kind of correlates with something that I've experienced is that when a woman sees, oh, that part of a man that's supposed to be going on is kind of falling apart here. Some women may take that as an opportunity to take advantage, to assert her power in the situation. But in his case, she protected his ego, didn't even draw attention to it. You know, it's something that's so unspoken, which to me is, 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 is safety. You know, that's a great example of it, you know, where you don't even got to talk about it. You don't even have to bring it up, you know. Um, it's just it's one of those things. But uh, my situation with my, I consider her my first love, really, because, you know, we we expressed a lot of things in our personal story that I probably have never ex- expressed to any girl I've dated. Um, and, and some of the personal things in my life is very painful, especially growing up in some traumatic environments that, you know, I held in and which affected a lot of my relationships. So. That was, we had a moment I remember, I'll never forget, in her living room where I was just off with what I was going through or what I've been through, all the things I've held and the, the things that created a lot of low self esteem in me when it comes to relationships and telling her all this stuff. And I remember telling her also, I'm pretty sure we ain't gonna be dating after tomorrow after you know all this about me. And she handled me with so much care in that moment um, that I'll never forget. Um, and it, it was, it's just a, a good feeling, you know, it's something that you can't force, you know, it's just, cause you don't want to force that out of somebody, train somebody to do that. I mean, you can, but, but to find somebody that is just surprises you with it, where you don't have to hint to them, please take care of me in this moment. They just said there. And that was something that I found very, very healing, very, very, you know, just a highlight in the relationship. Um, that's beautiful that makes me that makes my heart expand just the sense of like kind of what you said of not needing to to talk about it but just she's showing up to to care for you Mm -hmm. to hold your to hold you to hold your heart and in that space right thank you yeah what's funny is I'm, i'm i'm marveled by the mere fact that you guys you know had that experience because um, I won't, for some reason, I won't allow myself to experience that, you know, of just trust issues of uh, me growing up. So the mere fact that, you know, you guys are saying um, emotional safety and a woman um, taking heed to the situation that you're in and, and not becoming um, overbearing or, you know, making you feel, you know, just different. Like that's, I'm amazed by you guys um, mm. topics with that because like, I want to allow myself to go through that stage, but it's, it's a, a, it's like a brick wall, a barrier of trust that I'm getting through with my own internal battles to want to experience that. Cause the experiences I have with that is, you know, I have close home, you know, home girls or cousins and sisters, and, you know, that's cool. But um, the women that I'm intimate with, 
intimate with, um, I can't allow myself, or I'm, I want to, but it's, it's a there's a a barrier that I won't allow myself to give the trust and the okay to feel that. You know what I mean? If that if that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think I think the the way that it caused me to, you know, I don't I, I, as far as self disclosure. I mean, you don't just disclose everything, you know, at the at the beginning. You know, you have to build trust with that person. But in order for me, honestly, in order for me to know, in order for me to be able to trust that that's my person, she has to be able to handle that. Mm. Just knowing me, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a very, I'm an actor. And one of the reasons why I'm an actor is because I'm also very emotionally aware, you know, so I needed some sort of an outlet to be able to express all these emotions that I feel all the time. So that's why I found acting. So, I know who I am. I'm a very emotional person, which means that, you know, I have things to express. So I know I need a woman that is able to handle that and to know that about me, that I I can't sit in a relationship where I'm not telling her about my story. And we just like, yo, what's up? Cool. Bill's paid. Let's go to the beach. Cool. You know, I, I can't, I can't, that will not fulfill me. I will be bored as hell. And I'll be like, look, you know, this ain't gonna work, you know? Um, so knowing that about me, that's just like, kind of like part of my litmus test. Not to say that I'm just gonna dump, I'm a dumping ground, but I have to have an outlet with that person. And if she can't handle that, if she's not emotionally available to handle it, that's already telling me we ain't gonna work. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, thanks, for, thanks for sharing that. And I, um, I hear in that in Gray's in, in your share, it's like I want to be able to open up in this way, but I'm not. I don't really feel safe doing that yet, right? And I think that's a journey. I don't know. I mean, Jules, I'm wondering if you can speak to that at all. Like, do you feel like you were always able to open up and be met, and and everything, or do you feel like that was a like a path you walked, or what's your experience of that? Uh, it's definitely a path I've walked. Um, you know, my initial, um, my initial posture, uh, even to this day is, is one where I'm guarded and it, it takes me time to slowly open up and, um, you know, share, share those types of things. Um, and I'm definitely better at it now than I was in the past. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 um, and I'm sure there's plenty, plenty of room for me to grow, but, uh, certainly I feel like I've come a long way and, um, it was, it was something I learned wasn't something I was necessarily born with, or maybe it's better to say being guarded is something that I learned and now I'm trying to unlearn it, um, wisely, hopefully. Mm. Well said. Um, we're going to start to wrap wrap up, but I did want to just kind of bring these threads together a little bit because I'm really close friends with um, one of my white girlfriends is married to a black man and she, we're, we're doing some uh, anti-racism work together and she's realized how, she's like, I think this topic around racism and race is something that he he hasn't really talked to me about in depth before because 
he's basically been afraid I wouldn't be able to meet him there. And he would end up feeling more hurt and more isolated because of that. And, and they're married. I mean, these people are, this is a committed couple. They have children. Right. And that just really struck me that now she's like, they're having more conversations, but he's also like, yo, you need to go do some of that work with your, with your white friends. Like that's for you to do with your white friends, not with me. Um, but there's more conversations available now. She's open to hearing experiences of his when he points out racism in their company because they used to work at the same company. She's more open to hearing it. Like there's just a lot more, I think, emotional safety available in their relationship because she's doing her anti-racism work separate from him. And I think that that's um, something that has him, yeah, feel a little bit more of that trust to your to your points. Um, and Ahmad also what I heard in your share was not like opening up the floodgates right away, but sort of testing, like, can she meet me here? Can she meet me here? Is she available here? Like over time, you know, you have a sense of whether this woman is available to hold your heart or whether she closes down or gets defensive or shuts off, you know, that's valuable information. Yeah, you definitely learn who who is safe um, to share these things with, right? And and you know, there's there's a menu of items that we can all share, right? And and you pick and choose what on the list you're willing to share with certain people, right? And that's kind of a dance you learn, I think. Yeah, yeah. Cause it takes that, it takes that emotional risk, the initial one to, to, to expose something. And then you, and then it's like an experiment. Then you see how the other person responds. So that's to me, what I hear in that of the dance of like, I do this move. What do you, you know, what is your right. responsive move? Like, right. Oh, that went well. Maybe, yeah. maybe she can handle hearing about that other thing too. Right. Something like that. Exactly. So um, we're going to start to wrap up here. And I'm just wondering if maybe we could uh, just go around and share one, one takeaway that we're taking from this conversation. And then if there's any other wisdom that you want to leave, leave the audience with. I know that's really vague, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, I think one takeaway is because uh, I listened to uh, the girl talk um, also prior to uh, the guy talk, and you know I think the, the one get it with it, one takeaway is communication. You know, um, is a, the lifeblood of a relationship. But specifically, you know, if you know I end up dating someone of a different race, particularly a white woman, I think communication is. Is, is more important, you know, because, uh, you know, one thing that I, I know is as a black man, you know, I'm seen differently than if I was dating a white woman, how she's viewed in this world. You know, police, for example, if I'm driving, a police officer will see me different than my white girlfriend or, you know, my white wife. So then that's a reality that we live in today. Um, so I think just, in interracial relationships, you know, period, being honest and being communicative of, of what you're in, you know, you're in a relationship. Yes, but I'm a black man. You're a white woman. 
you know, and the world will view us differently. We'll have different reactions from other different people. And to, uh, I think that's something that's very important um, in relationships is communication. Thank you. Yeah, if I can kind of um, add on to that, I, I believe it's communication. Just get to a point where um, in any relationship, again, just be transparent with your partner. Um, don't be afraid to be uncomfortable, to get comfortable in somebody else's shoes, their situations, understand their lens of life. Um, and you can take that, you know, anywhere in life, just understanding somebody's um, backgrounds and how they feel. And um, as long as you can be compliant to that, I, I feel um, you'll do okay. You'll do good. Thank you. Hmm. Those are tough acts to follow. Um, I guess my takeaway is, is is a piggyback off of both of those things. And also, like Ahmad said from uh, the girl talk um, that, that we've all listened to, um, is, is really communication is the key to... Um, I feel like piercing all of these various veils to get to uh, the person underneath um, because so many people from so many different backgrounds and different experiences over these two um, podcasts have had experiences and shared things that I can really relate to in a personal way. Um, maybe more so than I had expected. and. Um, part of getting there is is listening and asking the right questions, and and all that really boils down to, um, you know, communicating with with others in a way that um, tries to strip away all of your sort of preconceived notions and things, and just ask questions and listen. I guess that's maybe that maybe that really boils it down. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think actually one of my, one of my takeaways from this discussion was, which we didn't really get into, but it's something I'm sitting with is something you mentioned Jules about, um, maybe like as a man, like the male experience, specifically the black man, your experience as a black man of maybe having rough sex. And then like, I'm not sure how that's going to go. I'm not sure what the response will be and then what the possible blowback would be on me. Like I'm just sitting with the, the vulnerability of um, a man's experience in, um, in sex around all this stuff. And it is just kind of something I hadn't considered. And, and I really appreciated that you brought that up and just that, that whole experience. I think because I have sex as a woman, it's another uh, viewpoint for me to better understand. Um, yeah kind of to your point of listening and being curious and asking questions and really empathizing basically with, with what someone else is, is going through or has gone through. Totally. 
That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.